Good morning. There we go. I turned my microphone on late. We had to wait for it to pick up. Good morning and welcome again to Malvern Hill Baptist Church. My name is Craig Thompson and I am the senior pastor here and it is our joy to have you with us this morning as we look toward Thanksgiving. What a privilege. Um, one thing that I get to do this morning that is a uh, uh, a bit unrelated to the message, but a really good thing. So God's been doing some really good things in our church lately. Um, good, good things numerically. We, we saw um, a wonderful number of baptisms, 26 baptisms last year, which was fantastic for us. Uh, numerically, we had 255 in the life group last Sunday, which um, is another life group attendance record for us, which is awesome. Um, and our, our giving has been wonderful, which is another blessing. In, in fact, two weeks from today, we'll vote on the 2020 church budget. Today, you will get a copy of the 2020 proposed budget in your inbox this afternoon uh, with that information on it. So we've got all those great things that are happening that we certainly celebrate. Um, but uh, one of the, the, the blessings with that means that budget-wise, we're, we're in really good shape this year. We're actually 2% ahead of budget right now as of today. Now, if y'all give a whole bunch today, we'll be 3% ahead. Uh, so um, so we're, we're excited about that. But rather than just sit around and, 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 and kind of cross our hands and go, oh, we're, we're going to put, put more into our barns, uh, one of the areas where we have a, a significant surplus in our budget this year is in our missions budget. And the reason that we have a significant surplus in that budget is because we had, we had budgeted about $15,500 in that budget line item, if my memory serves me correct. And we had set aside a huge portion of that to send folks uh, on international missions. Um, and this year, our largest international mission project to Scotland fell through, and for a variety of reasons. We had anticipated there being 10 to 12 of our folks to go. Um, and one thing that the church does is it sets aside $500 for each person going on those international trips uh, to help to fund those, um, those expenses, because as you know, those aren't free. Um, and so there was a recommendation that came uh, from within our church and it came to our finance committee and to our deacons and they unanimously agreed that we should take a significant portion of that money that we'd already set aside to, to, um, to, to send people on international missions and direct that directly to international missions. Okay, So today is the kickoff for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And if I remind you, and I hope uh, we'll continue to remind you over the next several weeks, um, our Lottie Moon Christmas offering is an offering we take up, and every dime that goes through our Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes straight to international missions through the International Mission Board, okay? And so we're going to challenge you, and I'm going to challenge you like I do every single year, and like we in the Thompson family will do, we're going to challenge you to actually pray about making your largest Christmas gift this year, financial gift this year, be a gift that you would uh, that you would give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Okay, so in case that didn't make good sense, if the largest thing you're going to buy your wife this year costs twenty five bucks, then give fifty bucks to Lottie Moon. That's kind of where we're at on that. Um, but uh, this year is sort of uh, a, a kickstart for that mission season. What we're going to do um, is, is, is going to inform you guys. We, we should have gotten one of those giant checks, but those things cost money that we wouldn't have been able to send a mission. So uh, what we want to do is uh, to um, actually inform you all of, of, of the decision that our, our finance committee has made. I didn't ask you earlier, but Brian Garbate, if you'll come up here with me. Um, and what I want anybody in our church that has been to Scotland with the Herald's Trust, if you'll just stand up for me. Uh, there's a number of y'all that are in here. A number that aren't here. I was hoping that Dylan would be here, but they're still home with a baby uh, and several others. Um, I've, I've been as well. Um, Brian is actually going to be going on the board with the Herald's Trust, which is the ministry that we partner with there in Scotland beginning in February. And so I, I, I made him come up here to be the face of the organization since we couldn't have uh, somebody better. Um, 
It's the best we got. That's it. Um, so um, uh, we're actually going to be able to, um, to contribute $6,500 uh, to the Herald's Trust. And so we wanted to let y'all know that today. That decision was actually made a couple of months ago. We held on to it today uh, because we wanted to use that as a kickoff for our missions giving and missions offering this year. Just to say that uh, we're going to be able to take $6,500 out of that. It was already set aside and since the mission trip fell through, we just felt like it would be... Um, selfish almost of us to hang on to that since we'd already earmarked it to go there and so Brian uh, I know that you've probably already let Rob know or I don't know if you have or not but uh, we'll be and and uh, Scott's taking care of making sure all that money gets the place that go uh, so the Herald's Trust just so you know is an evangelistic outreach ministry um, pr- uh, primarily uh, focused in Edinburgh Scotland they've been working uh, in the past two or three years in church planting as well they're in the schools uh, they do a lot of street evangelism it, but they are a proclamation gospel ministry much like many of the other ministries that we partner with. So it is a joy for us to be able, and church family, it is a joy for me to be able to say that y'all have been so faithful in your giving this year that here we are coming up on the end of the year and we're looking at ways that we can give away more money. So uh, well done, church family, for all, your, uh, all the things that you've done. Before you sit down, what I want to do is I want to pray uh, for the Herald's Trust, okay? Uh, and uh, we will be going to Scotland again next year, so uh, information about that will be coming out soon. But uh, if you've got any interest in how you might be able to partner uh, or just go, maybe you don't feel like you're a partner, maybe you're just a worker, that's fine. Any way that you can participate, see Brian, um, and uh, Dylan's not here, but Dylan Young would also love to talk with you about that. They're still home with their brand new baby, so we, we gave them a free pass today on that. But let's pray together. Father God, as we come uh, to this time of thanksgiving, we are so grateful, Father, that we as a church family are able to, um, to support the ministry of the Herald's Trust in, a, in, a, in a, a palpable way with a financial gift, Father. I'm so thankful for the faithfulness of the folks here at Malvern Hill, for their willingness to give, Lord God, uh, to give to support the ministry here and to give to the support of the ministry abroad. Father, I pray that you would always give us eyes to see well beyond the walls of our church. Father, to be well aware of the needs that exist beyond Malvern Hill, beyond Camden, Lord God, the needs that exist in faraway parts of the world, places like Edinburgh, Scotland, where we've been able to have a footprint, and places like Riga, Latvia, where we've been able to have a footprint, Lord God, places um, that uh, we may not even be aware of, that we have missionaries there as a result of, of our partnership with Southern Baptist. Lord, I pray that you would bless our missionaries around the world, and Father God, give us eyes to see and hearts to understand and appreciate the desperate need of the gospel in very dark and hard places. Lord, may we, uh, Lord, I pray that you, Lord God, would take our contribution and multiply it in the ministry of the Herald's Trust. And Lord God, I pray that beginning today, you would just burden the hearts of the people here at Malvern Hill for the need to give to support uh, international missions through our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, that, Father God, we would be able to put uh, more Luke and Patty Talberts on the field, Lord, from all sorts of Southern Baptist churches all across our land so that uh, the darkness of lostness may be pushed to the edges, Lord God, and the light of the gospel may invade. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, trusting, Lord God, that his name is powerful to save. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Appreciate it, bud. Y'all should clap for that. That's a good thing. I knew I should have got one of those big checks. Y'all would have clapped if I'd had one of those big checks, wouldn't you? Uh, Right? Next time, we'll do that. Uh, Hush. Um, The choir is always a challenge. Anytime we do anything like out of the way, they get loud and unruly behind me. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Psalm 105. Psalm number 105. As you're turning... Uh, There are no Wednesday evening services this week uh, as a result of Thanksgiving, so you're welcome to come if you'd like. The doors will be locked and the lights will be off. 
but the parking lot is yours. Psalm 105, beginning in verse 1. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done and his miracles, the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Let's pray one more time. You are the Lord our God. Father, help us to be satisfied in your judgments that are in all the earth. Father, give us faith to trust you in all things. And Lord, as we approach this season of thanksgiving, may our thanksgiving be not only honoring and glorifying to you, but Lord, show us how our thanksgiving can be missional and evangelistic as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanksgiving can be missional. I want y'all to know that. Um, we, uh, as, as I, I believe I said last week, I love Thanksgiving. I do. I'm so excited about this time of the year. Uh, we, we love it in our home. We love it outside of our home. We love gathering with, with family and friends. We love gathering with y'all. We gathered with y'all for dinner last week. We, uh, Angel and I are having uh, our, our, our deacons over after service this evening for uh, um, dinner, and we, we, we love hosting them in our home. We, we love having, uh, we, we do our church-wide drop-in because we're just gluttons for punishment. We love having y'all all come by, and, and uh, we love to just spend time with all of you. I look forward, we spend Thanksgiving with my family this year. I'm looking forward to that. But we also recognize that as we gather with our families, we will gather with many people uh, who don't know the Lord. We, we will gather with some folks that we don't see on a regular basis, some folks that we may only see once or twice a year. And many of those people don't have an active, vibrant, living relationship with Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want you to know this morning that you can actually use the season of Thanksgiving as a wonderful opportunity for evangelism and missions, a great chance for you to express your thanksgiving to the Lord, but also to show the whole wide world just exactly how it is that you trust in Jesus. I got a little book in my office called The Pleasures of Eating. It's awesome, right? It's a fun little book with quotations about eating and enjoying food. Here's some of them. There's no sight on earth more appealing than the sight of a woman making dinner for someone she loves. That was by Thomas Wolfe. Or Milton Berle's quote, I adore seafood, especially saltwater taffy. Prince Philip once said, I never see any home cooking. All I get is the fancy stuff. Somebody this morning was talking about uh, sweet potatoes and, and uh, collard greens, so y'all can appreciate that. I don't eat collard greens, but y'all enjoy all of mine. But here was my favorite quote. The only reason for a bee that I know of is making honey. And the only reason for making honey is so I can eat it. It was attributed to Winnie the Pooh, beloved bear and honey connoisseur. This is a tiny little book, maybe 100 pages. I mean, you could sit down and thumb through the whole thing in 20 minutes. It's just uh, little quotes uh, spread out throughout, throughout the book, little pithy sayings like that. But oddly enough, it doesn't express much thanksgiving. It really kind of made me sad as I, I thumbed through it. And there, there was a, a, a chapter, not exactly, but almost devoted to gluttony. You know, exactly how it is that we just enjoy to eat 
too much. You know, I'm, I'm pretty confident that none of us would intentionally work to rob God of his glory. I, I don't think there's anybody in here that if you saw the presence of the Lord in this place, that you would intentionally work up and say, ah, look at me instead. But I believe that sometimes in our lack of thanksgiving, we cease to honor God for the blessings that he has given, and in, in so doing, we rob God of his glory. We might be like a book about food that extols its goodness but never expresses thanksgiving to the hand who's provided it. We can essentially be atheists in our lack of thanksgiving. And this morning I want to urge you, I want you to really seriously consider that properly expressed thanksgiving not only honors the Lord, but properly expressed thanksgiving can actually serve as mission. And by directing your thanksgiving to the Lord, you witness to others of His goodness and His faithfulness. So this morning, um, we're looking at uh, this second psalm of thanksgiving. We just a uh, quick two-sermon series. Next Sunday, we actually jump into Advent, and we'll begin a sermon series on, uh, really on the gospel and on evangelism, and I'm pretty excited about that. I do want you to mark your calendars on December the 8th at 4 o'clock that afternoon. We're going to get out in our community and see if we can't do some canvassing. We haven't uh, knocked on doors in our community in in, in quite some time, and we're going to get out, and we're just going to try and knock on doors and offer to pray for the folks in our community and um, see if we can't share the gospel with some of those folks in our community. But you don't have to wait for your church to provide a particular opportunity for you to do evangelism. You don't have to go and stand on a street corner in, in Edinburgh, though that's a wonderful way for you to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't even have to go and, 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 and approach a stranger at, at a restaurant or at your coffee shop or in the grocery store. This week you're going to gather with people who need Jesus. And you're going to naturally be in their company. And you're going to be with them because they're your relatives or they're your friends or they're your associates or they're your neighbors. And I want us to consider how it is that we might approach Thanksgiving, not as atheists, but as God-loving followers of Jesus who long not only to eat turkey and dressing, but to express our thanksgiving to the hand who has provided all of these things. First thing this morning I want us to remember is to give thanks to the Lord. The psalmist says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Now this seems kind of like a dumb thing to have to say in church, right? It it, it does. Give thanks to the Lord. But I think it's so important for us to occasionally just be reminded of the really simple things. I coached with a guy one time. Uh, Not true. I played for a guy one time. He used to walk into every meeting and he would, and he did it in his classroom too, and he would write kiss on the board. Any of y'all know what that, ever done that before? And uh, what, is, what is that? It was a reminder for him. It's just kiss right there at the top of every board in a dry erase marker. And he said that was to remind me and it meant keep it simple, stupid. And so he put that up there so that he wouldn't mess things up. Sometimes in the church we sort of overcomplicate things, don't we? We, we sort of jump in and, and we wade off into the deep water before we actually get to the good stuff. Folks, I want to urge us to remember, to remember to give thanks to the Lord. Not just some ambiguous thanksgiving. Why are we celebrating thanksgiving? Not because it's a generic and general thanksgiving, but it is a thanksgiving to Jesus. Last year, uh, so in, in recent years, 
Wyatt has, has been on me to, to, to duck hunt. I told him for a long time we weren't, then finally I said we would. I think I've talked about this on Sunday mornings before, and so now we, we still have absolutely no idea what we're doing, just for the record. I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if it makes me a great dad because we're learning together, or a terrible dad because I have no idea what I'm doing, but either way, we're just in it for the fun of it, I guess. Um, but uh, I went with a couple of our college, college guys last year. They called and said, hey, you want to go duck hunting? I said, yeah, I'll go. So I wanted to be cool, so I went with them because I'm, I'm old, but they hung out with me, so it was great. I said, hey, do I need to bring my, my waders or, or just a pair of boots? You know, whatever you want to bring is fine. I said, well, I mean, no, 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 not whatever. I, like, I need to know what do I need to bring. Do I need to bring, you know, chest waders or a pair of boots? And, well, if you got waders, you might as well bring your waders. I said, okay, well, I'll bring my waders. And so we walk off into the, the little place where we're going. It's dark, as you might imagine, and I have no idea because I've never been in this place. And three steps in, I'm chest deep. And I just looked, I said, how in the world was I going to do this in boots? Oh, I think you would have been fine. Y'all, that makes absolutely no sense, right? This is what it's like to hang out with college people when you're in your 30s. They don't mind getting cold and wet. I ain't getting cold and wet. That ain't happening, right? There's nothing on earth that I can imagine that I want to shoot so bad that I'm willing to swim out there in the middle of December. It just ain't happening, right? But sometimes we, 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 we kind of get into the, the we, we move past the elementary really quickly, so do I need weight? Well, I don't know. I mean, you don't have to bring them. Folks, listen. The answer to that question was real simple. Yes, Craig, unless you want to be up to your neck and soaking wet, you need to bring them. Y'all, when we come to the church, sometimes we need to simplify it, don't we? We don't need to offer all these different things and, and work in all these difficult and complex. I'm, I'm all about the theological discussion, but before we get there, sometimes we just need to break it down and keep it really simple. Give thanks to the Lord. Ready? Period. Hard stop. And then we move on to the next subject. To whom do we owe thanksgiving? Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. And I'm going to say it one more time. Give thanks to the Lord. And I'm going to jump up and down when I do it to sort of give emphasis to that. That's the whole first point. And I want us to make sure that we cling to that as we gather with folks, as we consider how it is that our thanksgiving can be missional. Let's remember that we don't just gather to give thanks. Well, we're just thankful for this food. Thankful to who? who or whom? Thankful to what entity that has provided it? You understand how we could become atheists in this? If I'm just generically thankful, then I have no person to thank. But if God is the supreme being who has given us all things, then I have somebody to be thankful for. I have an uncle that he prays evangelistic prayers. Y'all, y'all ever know those people? I don't say this with like sarcasm. He does. He knows that we have family members that don't know the Lord, and so when he prays, he prays the gospel in that prayer. I love it. It's fantastic. Okay? And, and, but, but look, we're going to make sure that when we gather to pray, we're expressing those thanksgivings to the provider of all things. So give thanks to the Lord. Number two this morning, testify to his faithfulness. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Ready? Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his wondrous works. This psalm is a concise history of Israel. Now, if we keep reading, and, and we're not today, but if we keep reading, I want, you, I want you to look with me. We won't read the whole thing, but um, go down to verse 12. When they were few in number and of little account, and sojourners in, wandering from nation to nation. So he's talking about how they, they inherited the land of Canaan. Um, he talks in verse 9 about the covenant that he made with Abraham. He talks about Joseph being sold as a slave into Egypt. He talks about how he endured there, but he also talks about how it was that 
that God brought them out of Egypt with Moses. Um, talks about how he sent the plagues upon Egypt. Um, he, he talks about how the Lord went ahead of them in a cloud for covering by day and in fire by night. Uh, he talks about how God blessed them with quail and how he sent water in the wilderness. He brought his people out. This is a very concise history of the creation of Israel. But in so doing, the psalmist is testifying to God's faithfulness. Folks, how has God proven faithful in your life? How has God proven faithful in your life? How often do you take time to testify to God's faithfulness? We had a marriage seminar here. Well, well it was a marriage equipping study that went on for eight weeks um, back in the, um, the fall. That's where, yeah, that's when it was. Uh, back in the fall. And, and one of the things that we did, and, and in all honesty, we did this because we had to have one more week. And we were trying to figure out exactly how uh, Angela and I have generally done that in, in seven sessions and not eight. And so for the last one, what we did is, is we turned the tables back to everybody that was in that, that group. And we asked them to sort of teach us. And uh, so we listened. And, and one of the best things that happened in that last meeting was for married couples to talk about how God had proven faithful in their lives, right? To hear those testimonies of how um, they, their marriage was on the rocks and they, they, they questioned and, and, and t- contemplated whether or not it was worth sticking it out, but that they, they did and that God was faithful to bring them through that rough place and to put their feet in, in, on a solid ground, solid footing in their marriage. It was wonderful to hear all those testimonies and stories of God's faithfulness because, listen, it gives you courage, as a couple, when you can look back at others who have been through similar struggles and to see the way that God brought them through that struggle and placed them in a good place. Y'all, when's the last time that you testified to God's faithfulness in your life? When? had a conversation with, uh, with a guy uh, working through some business things uh, not too long ago, and he was sharing with me about how one of the things that encouraged him as he was trying to work through some of these struggles with the business was to hear other people who had been through similar struggles, but that they'd come through on the other side. There's a reason that we need to testify to God's faithfulness. There's a reason that you need to share those, those stories of God's faithfulness in your life. Because as you do, you have an opportunity to lead others towards Him. What could you do in the presence of friends and family members who don't know the Lord? Perhaps they're not open to hearing the gospel from you. I get that, right? I get that. They're, they're not always, especially our family members, are not anxious to hear that from us. But can you just share with them about how it is that God has brought you through the last 12 months? Or the last 12 years? Some of you maybe even just the last 12 weeks that God has proven faithful but again to remind them all the time that it is God who has proven faithful God who has who knows what opportunities may come about testify to his faithfulness number three this morning recount his miracles if we're not careful I'm going to preach a fast sermon so y'all hold on I'm just kidding the fourth point's longer than the rest um Recount God's miracles. Folks, we can't just give a naturalistic account of what God has done. We need to speak to the miraculous things that God has done. Thomas Jefferson was one of our founding fathers uh, and, and, and really one of the great minds behind this idea of, 
of the United States of America. Uh, Thomas Jefferson drafted the, in, the, the, the Declaration of Independence uh, because it was sort of agreed upon that he was by far the best person to do it. But Thomas Jefferson was not a Christian and an Orthodox understanding of that. Thomas Jefferson was heavily influenced by Christian ideals. He still expressed an understanding of a, of, of a provident, of a, of, of a divine providence. But the reason that I say that Thomas Jefferson was not in the orthodox understanding of Christians is because Thomas Jefferson rejected the miracles of the scriptures. Thomas Jefferson uh, famously took a, a, a pen knife and cut out of his Bible the miraculous accounts and then had a, a, a different edition of the Bible that could be published there that just sort of recounted, that recounted the moral goodness of Jesus. Listen to me. Without... A virgin birth and an empty tomb, there is no Christianity. There is none. Do you understand? We've got to be willing to celebrate not only his faithfulness, we need to be willing to recount his miracles. And so in this psalm, the psalmist doesn't just say God was with us and good things worked out. The psalmist says that God parted the waters. The, the psalmist says that God brought Joseph into Egypt. The psalmist says that God sent a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. God did all of those things. Folks, when we go back and we look at the plagues that, that came upon Egypt, these were not just natural happenstances that just happened to occur. God sent those things. And we need to celebrate God's miracles. What are the miracles of God in our lives? Perhaps you, you say you've never seen a miracle. Folks, can I tell you something? Every time that you've seen a person go from death to life, you've seen a miracle of God's grace. Every time that you see a person pass through the waters of baptism in here, we celebrate the salvation that has come in their life. And you see a miracle of God's grace. Every story that you hear of God bringing a child into this world, we see a miracle of life being created. We've seen the miracles of God. We've experienced the miracles of God. And folks, we need to celebrate the miracles of God. What a God we serve the psalmist said, look at God's miracles and give thanks to him. Give praise to him. When's the last time that you shared with somebody what a miracle it is that God has brought about in your own life? Do your salvation. That God took you from the miry clay and set your feet on the rock that is Jesus Christ. Speaking with a pastor uh, just this week, and he hasn't been in his church too long. I said, how, how are things in your church he said, uh, he, he still calls me pastor, which I think is kind of funny. He says, pa pastor, they're, 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 they're amazing. God's done some great things. He says, uh, we're baptizing a bunch. We've got some more that are anxious to be baptized. He said, but, but I, I, I need to see them. I need to see in their life a desire to follow the Lord. He said, I, I, I'm confident that God saved them because they didn't have to do anything to get saved. Well, I love to hear He said, they didn't have to do anything. God does all that, but they've got to obey him. They've got a responsibility to grow in godliness. Folks, the miracle of God's grace is that he saves us. He changes us. He rips out our heart of stone. He gives us a heart of flesh. He sets our feet on the rock that is Christ Jesus. We were destined for hell, but he gives us heaven. He changes our name. He changes our destination. He changes our citizenship. He changes our identity. That's a miracle. It's a wonderful, incredible miracle. But it's preceded by something else that's nearly miraculous as well. And what is that? That he's willing to love us. Have you ever thought about the miracle of that? That he's willing to love us. Yesterday, Angel and I went to Hobby Lobby. 
Y'all, we have lived, like, I've, I've made so many trips there since we moved. I appreciate y'all giving me a salary here because I've been giving it all to Hobby Lobby. But we went and uh, we looked at a few things and Angela's wanting to buy this and wanting to buy that. And, and uh, uh, she looked at one thing and, and I said, I just don't think so. And, and we left and uh, later in the day I was like, ah, you know, what? She, it's not a big deal. I'm going to go back and get it because she gets everything she wants. And um, uh, <laughs> just go with it, y'all. Stop judging me. And so I, 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 uh, um, I was out yesterday and I, I drove back over there. And uh, this woman that had been helping us, she says, well, well, did you get that? I said, no, we, we didn't get it. But I came back to get this Christmas tree. She said, well, why are you back? I said, look, she's willing to stay married to me and live in the same house. I guess this is the least that I can do. It's a miracle that that woman's willing to be married to me. That's the way I look at it, right? It, it, really, we didn't need an amen from that. Thank you. That's what it's like to have deacons. Um, but y'all, if, it's, if, it's, if I can look at it as a blessing that my wife will be married to me, how much more? Not only the miracle that God would save us, but the miracle that God would be willing to love us. When's the last time that you actually loved those who were your enemies? Loved those who were absolutely unlovable? See, it's easy for us to say, well, I love those who are unlovable as long as on the other side of the world, right? It's easy for me to talk about loving somebody that I can't actually lay eyes on. I'm talking about loving somebody. That ruins your life. Loving somebody that's mean to you, that's hateful to you. Folks, when we sin against the Lord, and yet He loves us anyway, what a miracle it is that God would express that kind of mercy, that kind of grace, that kind of patience with us. Folks, recount the miracles of God. Share the miracles of God. Tell about those things that God has done. And give Him the glory and Him the praise. What better opportunity is there than Thanksgiving? When everybody spreads out all the newspapers and they begin thumbing through the Black Friday ads and you have an opportunity to say, listen, uh, while, while we're thinking about that, do you know what God did in my life last week or last month or last year? Look for those opportunities. Share with people about the glories of your life, the pleasures of your life, the joys of your life. But more than anything, the God who has saved you and the miracles that he has wrought. Don't miss that. Then finally this morning, so give thanks to the Lord. Now, now remember, I want to bring us back to where we started. How can you lead others towards Christ by expressing thanksgiving? Give thanks to the Lord. Testify to his faithfulness. Recount his miracles. And then, folks, pray for opportunities to warn others of his judgments. You say, Craig, that doesn't sound very much like thanksgiving. You know, it's easy to honor the Lord when things are good, but do you praise the Lord in hard times? Now, for those of you that might be astute Bible scholars or astute students of the Word of God, you may know that I haven't given you the full background of Psalm 105 just yet. Now, now Psalm 105, as best as we can tell, was first sang by the children of Israel as a part of their worship all the way back in the book of 1 Chronicles. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, uh, the Bible gives us the account of the Ark of the Covenant being transferred from the house of Obed-Edom into Jerusalem. 
So for the very first time, the Ark of the Covenant under the Davidic monarchy, under David's rule, for the very first time, the Ark of the Covenant is brought into Jerusalem and put into its special home. Now we know that David wouldn't build the temple. It wasn't until the time of Solomon the temple would be built. But there was a tent set up, a tent of meeting as it were, that was set up for the, for the housing of the Ark of the Covenant and for the worship of Yahweh God, of the covenant God of Israel. Now, if you know a bit about the Bible, you know that the Ark of the Covenant was transported to Jerusalem from the house of Obed-Edom, but this was actually the second attempt to get it there. Y'all remember this story? The Ark for some time had, had been in a place called Kiriath-Jerim. If I s- pronounce that wrong, that's just the best we can do. Uh, so it had been in a place called Kiriath-Jerim. And David recognized, as no doubt the others did, that it was important for the Ark of the Covenant of God to be moved to Jerusalem, to the city of God, to the place where God had set aside as, as his city, as his footstool, as the place where, where he would essentially set up his throne of residence. And so David and other leaders decided to move the ark to its proper place. But King David and the other leaders there decided to make a move of the ark of the covenant without actually consulting the Lord as to how it is that the ark should be done. Now folks, we don't have time for the other sermon that is right here. But the other sermon that is right here is that God has an opinion about how it is that we should worship. That, that there is a right and a wrong way for us to approach the Lord in worship. And it's important that we come to Him with a right mind and a right heart. It's important that we not try and create our own understanding of how it is that God should be worshipped, but that we go to the Lord and say, Lord, how is it that you would like to be worshipped? But David did not do that. And so they, they attempted to move the Ark of the Covenant. Now, God had given some specific rules that the Ark was to be carried on poles by people. And the people were to put the poles. If you can imagine, there's little rings on the side of the Ark. If the Ark was this, and the poles would go this way. And they would stick way out. And then people would gather. So men would get under those poles and they would lift it up on their shoulders. And they would carry the Ark of the Covenant this way. So you'd have men on one end and men on the other. And the Ark would be in the middle being supported by these poles. But David and the others decided that there was a, a, a far easier way for us to go about moving it. And so they, they put the Ark of the Covenant on an ox cart. And they decided that they would transport the Ark of the Covenant that way. This is more efficient, right? Makes perfect sense from human eyes. The problem is it's not the way that God had intended for it to take place. So there they go. They're transporting it. And they get near the home of Obed-Edom. And in that place... There was some uneven ground and maybe an ox stumbled and the cart shifted. And when the cart shifted, the Ark of the Covenant was suddenly in peril. And the Ark began to slide off. And if you remember, there was a man named Uzzah. And what Uzzah did is he reached out his hand to stay the Ark of the Covenant. In other words, he just reached out to grab it. Yet last night, I was, we have to empty out our, our refrigerator so that we have room for all the things for, for dinner tonight. And um, so I was empty. I, I pulled out a, a crock pot that had black-eyed peas in it. I, I went ahead and ate the rest of the black-eyed peas because there's no reason to throw those out, of course. Um, but as I pulled it out, the top fell. And, and, and when you see those things happen, you don't think, do you? You just, re, you just react instinctively. And so I, I throw my foot up into, the, into, the, um, uh, into the, the refrigerator. Thank God I didn't break anything in there. So I throw my foot up to try and catch it, and, and somehow... 
uh, I, I was able to actually keep it from falling all the way out and from shattering in the floor. So I was grateful. But that's, that's what happens when we see something fall. And it, we just reach out to grab it, do whatever we can. That's what happened. The, the, the ox stumbles, the cart tilts, and as it does, the Ark of the Covenant begins to slip. Uzzah reaches out and he s- saves the Ark from certain disaster. In that moment, God struck him dead. Uzzah died because Uzzah did not obey God's command. And after that, the ark was left at the home of a man named Obed-Edom because David and the other leaders of Israel were, were probably two things. First of all, they were angry. And second of all, they were frightened. What is this thing? Who is this God? Three months it stayed at the home of a man named Obed-Edom. And for three months, after Uzzah had died for touching it, for three months, the home of Obed-Edom experienced incredible prosperity. And after three months, the Bible says that David and the other leaders decided they needed to go back and they needed to get the ark. But this time, this time David had gotten down off of his high horse. See, the king of Israel had humbled himself under the true king of Israel. You see, there's, there's, there's that, that double thing happening right there. There's an earthly king and then there's a real king. And the king of Israel humbled himself under the God of Israel. And the king of Israel went to the people of God and said, How is it that this Ark of the Covenant should be transported? And the Bible says that the priests and the others gathered together and they, they, they determined how it was to be carried. What did they do? They went back and they read how it was that God had instructed for the Ark to be moved. And so the Bible says that the people went and they went to the house of Obed-Edom and they went and they gathered up the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Now if you remember the story, this is that story of David going ahead of the priests and the musicians and David dancing and singing as the ark of the covenant made its way into Jerusalem. Remember that his wife, Michael, one of his wives, stood and saw him from a window and she reprimanded him. She said, who are you king of Israel embarrassing yourself? In front of the people of Israel. David says I'll become even more undignified than this. That's what it takes to worship the Lord. The Bible says that the ark made it into Jerusalem. And after the ark made it into Jerusalem. The musicians led the singing. Of part of this psalm. Imagine. A man died trying to transport this three months ago. And it shows up. And as the presence of God is ushered into Jerusalem symbolically through the Ark of the Covenant. The Bible says that the musicians came together and they sang, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done and the miracles and the judgments that He uttered. O offspring of Abraham, His servant, children of Jacob, His chosen ones, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. They praised Him for His judgments. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant represents God's devastating holiness and His absolute goodness. And we are called to praise Him for each. 
But we also are to call others to Him using both. What does that mean? That means that as we seek to share the good news of the glory of Jesus Christ, we should do so by giving thanks to the Lord and testifying to His faithfulness and recounting His miracles. But folks, part of praising the Lord and part of drawing others to the Lord is to warn of His judgments because His holiness is an incredible aspect of His character. David and the other leaders of Israel praised the Lord not only for His blessings, but for His judgments. Because they had an utter confidence that He was right. That He was holy. And that no matter how it felt, that He was good. Do you trust that the Lord is good today? Even in the hard days? Are you willing to praise Him in the dark days? Do you see Uzzah die and still know that God is worthy of praise and glory and honor? Do you experience hardship and still know that He is worthy? Warn of God's judgments. But don't miss this. Praise Him for His judgments because they are true. They are right. Even when they're hard, they are still right. And He's worthy. It is my hope and my prayer that as we approach well, we're not approaching as we live in the midst of this Thanksgiving season. It is my hope and my prayer that you can look back and see many things over the past days, weeks, months, and even years for which you can be thankful. But if you are approaching Thanksgiving in the darkness, in the hard seasons of life, can I tell you that even there God is with you? He hasn't left. And you can still give Him praise right there. Because He's worthy. Do you celebrate Thanksgiving as an atheist or as a Christian? Do you come into a season of Thanksgiving expressing gratitude toward our benevolent Heavenly Father who has given all things, who causes the rain to fall on both the just and the unjust? How are you leading others toward Christ with your words of praise and thanksgiving? I'm pretty confident that none of us would intentionally work to rob God of His glory. But we may rob God unintentionally by not giving Him glory for the blessings that we have received from His hand. See, if we're not careful, we're much like that little book that I talked about just a few minutes ago. A book about food that extols food's goodness but never expresses thanksgiving to the hand who has provided it.
there's no reason why Thanksgiving can't be an opportunity for witness and mission in your own life as you give praise and glory and honor to the King who has given you all things. We come together and we feast at Thanksgiving. We celebrate at Thanksgiving. We enjoy Thanksgiving and we do so with praise and honor to the only one who is able to do all of these things. This morning as we stand in just a minute and sing, some of you may just want to lift a hand of praise to thank God for His goodness in your life. Some of you may want to come and bow here around this pulpit area and pray and thank God for the blessings in His life, in your life. You may want to come today and to pray, Lord God, I'm going to be with a lot of folks in the coming days who don't know you, God. Help me, God, to celebrate Thanksgiving as a Christian, as a blood-bought believer of Jesus Christ, missionally expressing my gratitude for you to others. Perhaps there's something else going on in your life. If there's any way that God is working in your life, I'd ask you this morning, don't refuse Him. Could I pray with you this morning? Perhaps today you've come in here and you said, Pastor, you talked all about Thanksgiving and all I need is Jesus. Would you come this morning? We'd love to tell you how it is that you can have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever way that God's at work in your life, as we stand and as we sing, I invite you to respond let's pray together Father in heaven we give you praise and glory and honor for you're worthy you're the king of kings and the lord of lords and we have so much for which to be grateful Father I pray that you give us hearts of thanksgiving and I ask to see how those hearts Lord God of thanksgiving may overflow into words and actions of thanksgiving that, Lord God, may result in seeing others brought towards you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Stand with us this morning.